Well, I can tell you, I can tell you, you look really, really good. We're going to, we're going to, uh, Michael is, is putting up uh, <clears throat> props here for me just for a second. Um, and I, because, you know, God put something on my heart that I'm, I'm going to be sharing that is a, maybe a little bit surprising. I was, I did a little research and found out one of the greatest or, uh, you know, uh, well-known boxing matches was a long, long time ago, and it was Joe Lewis against Billy Kahn. Long before my, my time, of course. But uh, you going to get that right? Okay. So, so Joe, Joe Lewis and Billy Kahn. And, and Joe Lewis was a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, and he, he was a real boxer. Uh, Billy Kahn was light on his feet, you know. He's more like Apollo Creed kind of guy. <laughs> so he just moved, 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 moved around and like that. And through the match, Billy Kahn just kept hitting and just was wearing Joe Lewis down. Joe Lewis was swinging, but it didn't seem to make any difference. He was hitting, and he's stronger, but it didn't say make any difference. And at the end of the 12th round, there's 15 in those days, 15 rounds, and uh, he, Joe Lewis went back and sat on his bench, and his, his team told him, he says, hey, you got to knock him out or you're going to lose. You're going to lose this if you do not knock out Billy Kahn. And he said, yeah, I know. I, that's what i got to do. But he says, I'm hitting him. I'm hitting him, and, and it, it's not, nothing's happening. It's not changing anything. And so he got up. He said, well, I'm just going to keep doing that. And Billy Kahn was, again, was quick, and he could have won on points, but he got a little closer, and Joe Lewis was hitting and hitting and just took that one punch. How I many you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> just that one punch right uh, across the jaw, and Billy Kahn was down, and Joe Lewis won. It was a, quite a comeback. It was, it was, and we like those stories. We like the stories of the comeback, you know, whether it's Rocky Balboa or wherever. You know, we like the one where all of a sudden when you were weak and it seems like we're not going to make it, we, we come back. For the last several weeks, I've been talking about what are the key components that help you grow? What are some key components that really bring growth in your life? And if there's anything, if you know me as your pastor, I am committed to seeing you grow. I am committed to have you grow stronger. Whatever it takes, God wants you stronger. I don't want a church where we just fill the place and have multiple services. People come, they feel better, and they leave, and they don't grow. You have to change. You have to grow. You have to be stronger. And, and the growth means you're handling situations where you couldn't handle them before. <laughs> That's growth. <laughs> and, and you sit back and you think, man, last year... I would have just lost it. I would have broke down. I would have run away. But this is different. So I've been talking about these. So two weeks ago, we talked about the fear of God. I won't re-preach that. But if you don't have the fear of God, if you, if you think you're it and you decide what happens in your life and you decide where you go, then you're in trouble and you're never going to grow. As Christians, you're never going to grow. And then last week we talked about the kingdom of God and how massive and, and, and large it is and how we're a part of it and what part we play in the kingdom of God. Just going through Luke 17, and now we're going to move into Luke chapter 18. But I want to bring this final thought on the, the key components for spiritual growth, and that's the kingdom uh, from, the, uh, from the fear of God, the kingdom of God, to the power of God. Because, you see, without power, it doesn't make any difference. We have to have the power to live this life. And what is that power? Where do we find that power? And this, this next story, you might look at it and you think, wait a minute, Greg, you're talking about the power of God, and it's about this widow who was complaining because she didn't get justice to this judge who doesn't care flip about her. 
and just ignoring her and just doing his own thing. How is that about the power of God? In fact, Jesus even says when he starts to tell this story in Luke chapter 18, he says that this story is about so that you would learn how to pray and don't give up. And that's absolutely true. But the way that we pray and the way that we not give up, the way that we get to the point where we're not quitting is through understanding the power of God. And I just want to launch out and just talk about a, a, a verse here that will help us get there, to help us sort of make this journey on, on how do we understand the power of God in our life? How do we understand that God's really going to make a difference? And that I'm not facing this thing alone. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 and 5, the Scripture teaches us this. It says, for to be sure, in other words, this is true. This is true. you got to get this. <laughs> this is true. Get, get this. I'm not just uh, talking to you. For to be Sure, Jesus was crucified in weakness. You have to understand the power of that because in those days they would have understood what crucifixion was all about. Crucifixion wasn't just about killing someone, but killing someone in the worst possible way. It was about shame. It was about humiliation. It was about doing things that would uh, make this person feel absolutely powerless feeling like they have no power whatsoever in their life. That's, that's what the crucifixion was about. And so when he says that Jesus was crucified in weakness, that's what, it's, that's what it means, that, that he was totally weak. And you think, wow, that's, that's, that's rough. But then he goes right after that. He says, yet he lives by the power of God. So now we have the most important thing that you can understand in your life of weakness and power. And that same theme, that same uh, idea, that same teaching that Jesus is giving is something that will change your life, that you will walk out of this place and you will not be the same if you understand the, this concept of weakness and power. Because that's what he said. He died in weakness on the cross, but he rose in power. I want that power. <laughs> I want to I have that power in my life. How, how do I get that power? And, see, and it, it, this is important to understand. How do you get there? How do you move from weakness to power? I'm really convinced that C.S. Lewis, when he wrote his uh, story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and talked about Aslan, who was the, the ruler and represented uh, Jesus. And when Aslan was this great lion, and he was willing because there was a young boy who fell, who sinned, who betrayed, and was in trouble and had to pay the price for it. And Aslan said, I'm going to step up. I'm going to take his place. Because there's an old law that says that someone who is righteous can, can stand in the place of someone who has fallen. So Aslan went up on the stone uh, table and was killed. And Lucy and, um, Lucy and, no, who was watching? The two girls were watching. Come on, what is Lucy's other thing? You've never, how many have read Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe? That's your assignment, by the way. Go back and read this story. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but anyway, the girls were watching, and they were just heartbroken. But you see, there was an even deeper law. And C.S. Lewis writes this in a way that's, that's, that's so powerful. He said there was even a deeper law that said when someone who's righteous gives his life for someone who uh, deserves death, then there is, there is a power that comes. And Aslan was raised from the dead just as Christ was raised from the dead. That is the, 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 the whole issue of what we need to understand this morning. How do we move from this weakness to this power? Because the verse goes on and says, yet he lives in the, in the power of God. Uh, 
yet by the power of God, he will, he will live in him and, and deal with you. I think we need to go back one more says, for to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. Likewise, we are weak in him. So you see what happened. He says, this isn't just about Jesus. He was weak and he died, and then he rose again by the power of God. This is you, your weakness, what you're feeling with. You, ever, you feel weak? You feel like I can't do this? I can't change this? I can't handle this? I can't overcome this. This is too hard. This is too difficult. This is breaking my heart. This is too deep. This was too much of a wound. Whatever. You feeling weak? He says, this same weakness, we understand. But yet he lives by the power of God. Likewise, we are weak in him. Yet by God's power, we live in him. We live in him by his power. Now, then it goes, it says, yet by God's power, we live in him in our dealings with you. And I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Because that's key to understand weak and power. you got to understand why you have the power. So we think the power is so I can be better, so I can be good, so I can be king. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So I can, I can say, I, I, I did this, or I handled this, or I like that. We think sometimes, but there's so much more to understanding this weak and this power that the Scripture is teaching us here and understanding. Because then he says, examine yourself to see whether you are in faith. Test yourself. I said, great. I come to church and I have to get a test. That's right. We're going to have a test. But this is an easy test. You see, in New York, if you give hard tests and they fire you as a professor, I hear that. It's going on. You know, they don't like it. Some, someone fired an a chem, a organic chemistry professor who's preparing people to go in, into medical school to work, uh, to be a doctor, to work on us. How many think they should pass that class? I just, just, that's just me. Don't want to get political here or anything. I'm just thinking they should pass that class. In fact, that's one of the questions I ask. Excuse me, did you pass organic chemistry? Just want to know. <laughs> or did you sort of skate by? This isn't one of those tests because in that they weed out people so that the people that aren't really good don't become doctors. <laughs> but in this test, it's to build us up so that we can actually touch and change the world around us. That's the difference between this test. So what is this test? What, what does that mean? How do I have, how do I know what the test of, of faith is? How do I understand that, that faith? This gets us to the story. And we got to get the story. <laughs> and it's so easy. You just read the Bible. We read the Bible, you know, we do our devotions, move on. And we miss the story. What is Jesus really saying? Because immediately he's talking about all this, and he starts saying, hey, there was this uh, judge. Now, you got to understand, when stories were told, in Jesus' day, everyone always thought they meant something to someone. In other words, who is he talking about? Every, every time you think, oh, what is, he, what is he talking about? Which one? So he says, there was a judge. They're thinking, yeah, I, I know a judge. Who, who This judge had no fear of anybody. Now, the judges back in those days were pushed up by Rome. So basically, they can do what they wanted. But not only did this judge not have a, a fear of any man, but he didn't have a fear of of God himself. And so, in other words, this judge, and immediately what I think everyone would have thought, oh, this is Pilate. Yeah, this, this, is, this is the guy that's ruling. This is the, the governor. This is the one that's doing all this because he's in charge. Because basically what Jesus was saying, here's a judge that saw himself as the total arbiter of truth. I decide what's true. I decide what is right. And everyone would have been going, yep, that's Pilate. Yeah, that's that Roman judge over there. Yep, that's when, because he decides he has total control and do anything he wants. It's not like our system where we have checks and balances and things going on. No, no, there's no appeal. 
This judge can do anything he wants. All powerful. So you, you get this picture. And everyone would have been saying, yeah, 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 that's probably Pilate. But Jesus is always so subtle because the, as soon as you say it's him, I think it, Jesus was even going even deeper because who is the one that decides that we're the arbiter of truth? Who's the one that decides I decide what's right and I decide what's wrong except our hearts? Except the world that says, I will tell you what's true. If I do this, it's true. If I don't do that, it's not true. And so he gives, he paints this picture of this judge. And then he says, and there was a widow. Now, in that day, there was nothing lower. There was no one who was more powerless than a widow. A widow had no power because if, if she had any inheritance, it would go to her sons. It would go to her brother. And hopefully she would be taken care of. But she had no power. So you see what Jesus did? Here is a judge that is all-powerful. I mean, nobody could touch him. And then here's a woman who is the most powerless of all. Now, you can't miss the punchline. And it's really easy to read this story and miss really what Jesus is trying to say because you read the story, and it says that the woman kept coming to him and asking him for justice, and he says, I don't care about you. I don't care about your justice. It doesn't matter because I decide what's right and what's wrong and go away and pushed her away. But there's a punchline that's there that it's easy to miss. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 5. Because in Luke 18, verse 5, he says, I will give her justice... And then a lot of times the translations says, or at least she wears me out. <laughs> at least she keeps pestering me. But that's not what he said. We, it's part of that, but that's sort of the, the idea that we remember from the story. But Jesus is saying there was a judge that was all-powerful. you got to get it. Stay in the story. And then there, oh, there's a widow over here that has no power whatsoever. And she keeps coming to this judge and asks for justice. And the judge says, I'm not going to do it. But she keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. Until finally he says, I'm going to give her justice. because uh, Not just because she'll wear me out. But so that she won't eventually come and attack me. What? <laughs> That's crazy. What do you mean attack me? Literally, you know what that means? It, it, it means to wear me out, to beat me, literally, black and blue. The judge that's all-powerful, that can do what he wants, that has all authority, says, uh, I, I'm going to give her justice. At least she doesn't come and beat me up and beat me black and blue. <laughs> it's actually a term that was used for boxers in those days. Now, we think boxers, you know, we have, we have, we have gloves, we have pads, we have all cut. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was just, it was just fist on face. That's all it was. So he was saying, literally he was saying that she's going to beat me to a pulp. And I think the first response would have been laughter. <laughs> the first response would have been, oh, Jesus told a joke because <laughs> he's really powerful and she's really weak. That's a joke. But as Jesus kept going, they realized, wait a minute, he wasn't kidding. How can that be? How can it be that the powerless has the power over the powerful? And that's Jesus' point. Because then Jesus goes on and says, wait a minute. Did you hear what the judge said? He emphasized that part. That the, that the judge was saying, she is going to beat me black and blue. She's going to box me so that I am going to get beat up. So I'm, I better do something. You see... I believe with all my heart that what we need to understand about our Christian life 
what we need to understand about being a Christian is that God takes the poor and the powerless and makes us rich in him and powerful. You may not feel powerful. You may feel really, really weak. That's sort of the point. <laughs> That's what God is doing. That's the test. You think, well, what is this test? How do I have a, a faith test? Because at the end of the story, you know what Jesus said? When I return at the end of the age, when I come back at the end of the age for my people, for my church, will I find faith on earth? So Jesus' whole analogy of powerful and powerless, how that changes, he ties directly into understanding faith. What is faith about? What is faith about? Faith is praying and believing and not giving up. Faith is saying, no matter what I see, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep swinging. And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you about keep swimming. Now, I'm sure this is the wrong format. Angelica says she knows how to box. You want to come up and show us how to do this? Okay. <laughs> you can get up there. But, you know, we've got to keep swinging. We've got to keep going. And we think, I don't know what this is going to do. How can I keep going? When we're failing, keep swinging. When we're hurting, keep swinging. When we want to give up, when people reject us, when we feel abused, when we feel pushed aside, when we feel like we can't do anything, when we feel like we are the powerless of the most powerless, don't give up. Keep swinging. <laughs> keep swinging. Keep boxing. Keep, keep doing what God wants you. Even, here's the point, keep swinging even when it seems pointless. There's no point in this. There's no point. How many times do you think this widow shows up and she says, hey, I need justice. She wasn't asking for a special favor. I just need justice. Go away. You bother me. Get out of my face. And she comes back. Go away. Don't come back. She comes back. I warned you. Don't go away. Don't come back. <laughs> go away. Go away. And she kept coming. She kept coming. She kept coming. She kept swinging. She kept trusting. She kept believing. She kept asking over and over. It doesn't matter. You know, and, and there must have been something in her ear that just whispered, this is pointless. This is pointless. How, how hard is it for us in the midst of all this to deal with the rejection? God, I've been asking for this and it hasn't changed. Am, am, am I the only one that prays that way? God, I need this to change. I need this to be different. God, I'm believing, I'm trusting, I'm doing this, and it doesn't happen. So, that they, so obviously we give up. That's a failed test. <laughs> the past test of faith, because you say, I don't know what faith is. I don't know how I have faith. I, I'll, I'll tell you what faith is. You don't quit. You keep trusting. You keep believing. You keep asking. You keep praying. You keep saying, God, you can do this. You can do this no matter what. You can change the circumstance. You can change the situations in my life. You see, God loves you more than that judge feared that woman. And he gave her everything she wanted because he feared her. How much more does God love us? How much more can we trust God with our life, with our family, with our finances, with our broken heart, with our rejection, with our pain, with our sickness? How much more can we trust who God is? God loves us more than we ever imagined. In fact, Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. <laughs> Don't give up. <laughs> Don't give up. 
Now, what's, what's fascinating about this is it's not the, the, the lowest, it's the highest. Because this verse is saying, when you're doing everything right, <laughs> when, when God, I've done everything I know to do, God, I've surrendered everything I can. I'm doing it all right. I'm doing good. I'm doing it. When you're doing good and you still don't see an answer, don't get weary. <laughs> Come on, keep swinging. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Let us not become weary even when we're doing right. Even when we're doing so. It shows us the extent and the height of how much we can trust God. How come, how come we can keep believing in the midst of everything that seems to be going crazy? Even when everything's failing, we can do good. We can trust God. We can believe. We can believe everything God is doing. You see, the enemy tries to convince us more than anything to give up. Because you know what he's attacking when he tries to get you to give up? Faith. And without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. If he can just get you to quit, if he could just get you to quit, come on, just quit. Just, just somehow, some way, quit. Instead of trusting, instead, instead, of, instead of believing. I love the story of, of uh, David and Goliath. You know the David and Goliath story? We all know that. Goliath, big, big, big. David, small, small, small. Powerful, weak. Got that, right? Same thing. In fact, if you read the Bible with this, with this veil on or, or these uh, understanding at it, you'll see this theme over and 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 over from Gideon to Joshua <laughs> all the way to David. It doesn't matter in your weakness, in your failure, when you want to give up, God is there. If you just trust him and learn by faith to turn the very weakness into something that's powerful. Now, we know in the story of David that he went to the little stream bed, the dried up stream bed, and picked up five stones. <laughs> I, 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 you know, in my circles, I, I read all the people that make comments and commentaries and things like that. And I love it. Well, he probably did that because he knew that Goliath had four brothers. <laughs> he wanted to get them all. And I think that's silly. <laughs> that's not the reason he is. Why would he pick up five stones? Why would he pick up five stones? In case the first one missed, <laughs> he's got another one. And what if the second one missed? He's got another one. What if the third one missed and the fourth one missed and the fifth one missed and, he, and every one of them missed? What is he going to do? Oh, I tried. See ya. <laughs> you know, and wouldn't want to be ya and head out, you know. No, 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 no. What is he? he, he I think he would just dodge roll up, you know, do those, you know, karate ninja things, and to pick up five, five more stones, put it in his back, and keep swinging because it wasn't about David. He went in and said, this is about you, God. This is your battle. This is your fight, and I know I can trust you in your fight, and as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to believe. Pick up five stones and keep trusting. I was, I was coming home, and there's a uh, cross guard helping some young boy across when he's on his bike, and he gets to the other side, and I'm looking at him, and then they need to go this way. And the cross guard pushed the button. Like, I think he's done it probably a million times. <laughs> How many know that cross guard has pushed the button before? He pushed it, and they did it a second time, and did it a third time, and did it a fourth time, and did it five times. He picked up five times. He kept pushing. Now, you got to know, he knows that works. He does it every single day, every single morning. He's putting, pushing that little button. He knows it's going to turn. But he kept doing it because he just wanted to make sure. That, and I thought, hmm, something in my spirit just jumped. And I thought, that's, see, that's what we got to do. We got to just keep believing. We got to keep swinging. We got to keep trusting because it makes a difference, not only in our life, 
not only in our spiritual life and, and how we're growing, but it makes a difference in how we help others. Because we have to keep swinging for the sake of others. You see, God doesn't just bring you to a point where I was powerless and now I'm powerful because, you know, he wants us to feel powerful. It's not about that. It's about what are you doing with that a power? What are you doing with that growth, that spiritual growth that God has put in you? How are you touching other people? Because, you see, if the enemy can't get you to stop pushing the button <laughs> or picking up the stones or keep, keep swinging, if he can't get you to stop, keep swinging <laughs> for you, he'll get you to stop for someone else. In fact, what I found, and that's usually what happens, before you give up on yourself, you already gave up on everybody else. Before you give up on them, says, oh, you know, I, can't, I can't do this, I can't handle this. Hebrews chapter uh, 10 and verse 25 teaches us something really, really important about we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. We need to understand God wants us to come to church. The Bible tells it. I don't, I don't you know, uh, I've, I've heard this preached so many times. Be at church, be at church, be at church. You've got to be at church. And I think, amen, amen. You've got to do that. But you know why verse 25 says that? Because in verse 24, it says, let us consider, hmm, let us think, let us ponder, let us really stop and meditate on this for a minute. Let us consider how we can may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Keep meeting together. Don't forsake meeting together. Why? So we can have a big group, so we can have parties, <laughs> so we can do well? No, so that you can be here to help somebody else. And if you're not here, you're not helping. The interesting thing is that we are to consider how our actions can bring someone to good deeds, good actions. And, and I had to ask that question. Are we encouraging other people to good deeds? Are we bringing those good deeds out of people? Are we bringing love out of people? Or are we saying, as so often the enemy will whisper in our ears, People are pointless. They're just pointless. They'll never get it. And when you go down that road, you start to lose the faith test because you have to believe not only for your life and your walk, but you have to believe for your influence, how you're touching other people and how you're making a difference in other people because that is so key in understanding how we move from powerless over to power and understanding what God's trying to do. See, God wants us to move, and God wants us to grow and be strong, even when we feel the weakest. He has made a way, only in Christ, to become powerful. In World War II, they had bombers. They would put out in a, in a they, they called it a combat box, and they would fly in a certain formation that would aim all the guns that were coming from the bombers so that no matter where the planes attacked them, they'd be good. And they thought this would work. And then he realized the Germans were really, really good. <laughs> it's not working. They were losing too many bombers. So they said, okay, we're going to send the fighters out with the bombers. And so they would circle all the way around the bombers and, and shoot the bad guys. And that helped. But ultimately, in the end, it didn't make a big enough difference. One thing did. Somewhere, someone figured out, <laughs> hey, let's send the fighters on ahead. Let's 
claim the airspace. Let's be supreme over the airspace. They still have guns that fire up and things like that, but let's go out ahead. Let's put the fighters out ahead. Let them go before the bombers even get there and clear the area and clear the space and make sure, and that made all the difference in the end. When all of a sudden we had air superiority, then all of a sudden the bombers couldn't get through. <laughs> but someone had to go out ahead of the others. And I believe that's what God's called us to. We, someone has to go out and say, I'll, I'll live for you. I'll help you. I'll encourage you. I'll speak words of power for you to make a difference. And that is so key that we understand how God moves in our life. Someone has to, someone has to swing and clear the way. As a pastor, I prayed for that. All week long, you know what I did? It's to pray to clear the way for you. But as a church, we do this for one another. We do this for our family. We do this for each other, clearing the way, saying, God, you're going to do it. <laughs> somehow, some way, you're going to make a difference. I better stop because I won't hit it three times in a row. But the point is, somehow, we can do this. And guess what? That's what Jesus did on the cross. He cleared the way. He cleared the way. He died in weakness so that he can make a difference. So he can turn everything around. A long time ago, there was a Christian artist named Carmen, and he wrote this sort of more of a dialogue story than a song that's called The Champion. And in this, it was, a, it was about a boxing match. It was imagining the crucifixion as a boxing match in the resurrection. And there was this, this um, up in heaven somewhere, this great battle. And the battle went, and Jesus was hit, and Jesus was struck, and Jesus fell to the ground. <laughs> and then Jesus fell to the ground. He was out, and they all expected a, a 10 count. You count, you know, in, in boxing, you go from one. And when you get to 10, if you're still down, you're out. How many is at nine? Just, no, don't answer that. <laughs> How many you feel like, oh, God, I'm at eight, I'm at nine? <laughs> But we, we feel that way. And so they, all the demons in hell, according to his story, were jumping up and down saying, yay, yay, yay. And then all of a sudden, God the Father started to count. But he didn't count one. He counted ten. Nine. And everyone was objecting, saying, you can't do this. because. But in God's, there's a deeper law. When someone gives his life, when one totally sinless and righteous that only God can be. God, Jesus was all God. He was all man. When he gave his life completely, when he laid it down, then he created and cleared the air. He made a way for you and I to know him, for you and I to move from powerless to powerful. And he started to count down until he gets the one, and then it jumps up, and then the music, they think they think a uh, Rocky theme song. <laughs> you know, you can't even get that right. But the point is, the point is, that song should be in us. That theme should be in us. To say, you know what, God, I'm gonna, I believe you rose from the dead for me. That is your power in us. One last verse and I'll end here. And I'll close with Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says, you see, do you see, that at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for you. Christ died for me. Christ died for us. When we were the powerless of all. That's what it means to grow in the things of God. That's what it means to understand the power of God. Because that God's power in me 
has changed it so that no matter what I'm dealing, no matter how much it's struggling, God's grace is there. Do you receive the word this morning? Come on, give God thanks. Let me, let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I thank you for every single person here. No one's here by accident. No one's here on their own. God, I believe your spirit is drawn each and every one of them. And they are precious in your sight. They are precious to you, Lord. And God, I pray right now that you would reach down and you would put your hand in your presence and your power on each and every person. That God, no matter how much they might struggle in their own life and how powerless they might feel against a world that seems so powerful, we know in you, we know in Christ that, God, you can do all things. And one of those things is you can cleanse us completely of all of our sin, no matter what we've done, no matter how wrong we've been, no matter how much we keep failing and keep falling, we can ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us and to remove all the sin and bring us to that incredible state of righteousness in your power. And God, I pray for that for every single heart. With every head bowed, I wonder if there's people in here saying, you know, Greg, man, I've been trying to do this my own. I've been my own judge. I have been my own judge. I am trying to do it my way. And I realize now that I need Christ's power. I can't do this. And maybe you've been trying. Maybe you've been trying to do this your own way. But God is here. And, I, and all it takes is that simple act of saying, God, by faith, I'm going to trust you. God, by faith, I want you to cleanse me. So this is what I want you to do. I want to pray. I'm going to pray for any, everyone and anywhere. I'm not going to call you front or anything like that. But I want you to do this. I want you to look up and look at me and say, Greg, that's me. <laughs> I tricked some of you. That's right. But look at me and say, Greg, that's me. I want, I want Christ. I need to renew that call, that commitment in my heart. Father, I thank you for every single heart. God, we just come to you. And God, so often we just see our weakness and we see our failures and we see how much we stumble. But God, in you, in you, in your power, you can change us. Your, your grace, your mercy is big enough, is good enough, is strong enough, is holy enough to cleanse us completely. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every single person that's making that commitment. And I want you to pray out loud or pray in your heart. Say, dear Jesus come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. I trust you. I'm going to keep swinging. I'm going to keep believing in who you are in my life. And I thank you for forgiveness and wholeness in my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God is good. God is so good.